Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is a Thursday. It is August 17th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Scott Petrack of brownzone.com. You guessed it, talking about the Cleveland Browns. That'll take place around 10:15 on the KDUS hotline. Is this an all-important year for head coach Kevin Stefanski? We'll also take your calls at 10:30 and 11:15. 602-260-1060 is the number. But let's get things started here with the poll questions and we'll start with the kdus1060.com poll question as it pertains to the Jacksonville Jaguars over under nine and a half wins and the under is at 63 percent of the vote over trailing at 37 percent yeah i'm just kind of stunned at the uh, daily fascination once again yesterday in the nfl network this is like the greatest team in the history of the sport apparently uh this is a team that you know had made the playoffs in six seasons till last year they were fortunate to make the playoffs last year they were actually fortunate to be a depleted tennessee team in the final regular season game to just get into the postseason. That they did win a game in the postseason, a game that they basically were, I think, fortunate to win, and the Chargers lost that game more than the Jags won, in my opinion. But yet uh, the masses and many people across America, I'm not joking about this, seemingly many people across America, think the Jags are headed for a big season this year. I don't quite get it, but that's where we stand. I wonder if some of it has to do with the the disappointment of Trevor Lawrence in his rookie year and that maybe you can't really blame much of anything on him for that rookie season, the coaching no. and everything about yeah. that whole disaster of a, of a situation mm-hmm. for him. And then the leap that he took, getting him back to being a little bit more like what we saw from him at Clemson. And so it all hinging upon him taking yet another step forward. Well, he better because you know there are some numbers. If you know people that really want to crunch the numbers, uh, there are some areas where he was bad still last year. Even during their run, uh, he had some bad games. And uh, if they, he don't get better, or if he doesn't get better in the red zone, it's not going to matter. Um, so we'll see how this goes. And their offensive line, I think, is a big question. Cam Robinson's already out suspended for the first four games of the season they're replacing their right tackle taylor who left via free agency so i think the, i'm a you know I'm, there's this is no big secret here if anybody's listening to this show for like you know two minutes in the last you know couple of months i just don't get this and uh, they're going to win the division uh most likely even though i wouldn't be shocked if tennessee if healthy won the division but you know, I'm just I'm mystified at the national love for the Jacksonville Jacks. We will 
officially give our answer at 11.30 today. Still time for you to you'll catch... Give, you'll, 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 you'll give yours. I think <laughs> those people already know where I'm going here. Uh, <laughs> Not we, a lot of drama for me. We will uh, officially do that at 11.30. Still time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The 2023 Cleveland Browns over under eight and a half wins. And the under is sitting at 72.7% of the vote over trailing at 27.3%. Yeah, one thing we've talked about with season win totals for a long time, uh, whether I was going to Vegas for my yearly uh, you know, trek for the, you know, basically I'd go during the All-Star break in baseball every year and watch the Summer League in basketball, the NBA Summer League, and also you know, shop for season win totals before long before you know, we had gambling in Arizona. But you can shop around, and then season win totals – you can get you know a lot of different numbers, and the the, the Browns of the teams we've gone through, uh, and after this week we'll have gone through six of the eight divisions. The Browns have the most variance of season win totals of any team I've seen. You know the consensus is clearly eight and a half. However, uh, I even there's some nines out there. I even saw a nine and a half yesterday. Uh, so you know the old term shop around i forgot who did that song it was, it was a you know kind of a soul song uh in the uh, 60s but you got to shop around and i'm not going to sing it all for you because that would be not good for our ratings but uh you know but you know shop around because you know whether you want to go over on the browns you can find a number that better suits you than probably you know, if you look around even in arizona i know there's a, there's at least one nine in the state of arizona so if you want to go under the Browns nine, that would be fine. If there's plenty of eight and a half, if you want to go over, and as I mentioned, I even saw a nine and a half in one casino in uh, in Nevada yesterday. That's on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060 for you to cast your vote. Uh, Monday, August 21st, the Diamondbacks are taking on the Texas Rangers. It's ASU night. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded ASU Diamondbacks tee. Visit dbacks.com slash ASU to secure your tickets. Once again, that's Monday, August 21st, as the Diamondbacks are hosting the Rangers 6.40 p.m. start. We'll have a four-pack of tickets to give away later on in today. Today's program. Let's start though with the Diamondbacks as they did top the Rockies yesterday afternoon in getaway day, nine to seven. The heroics coming from Christian Walker, a two run home run to get things started in the first, and a two run home run in the eighth to put the D backs on top. Slade Sassoni had the start four innings, four hits, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and one home run for him. Miguel Castro, though, had a rough outing. One inning, four hits, four runs, two strikeouts, one home run in the sixth. But after Walker's heroics, Paul Sewald in. He got the save, his 25th of the season, and that's four of five now in a Diamondbacks uniform. Yeah, that's true. And all these in the last, what, five days? Yeah. Um, you know, starting, starting with Saturday night. Uh, so that's good. Um, I can't imagine he'd be available tonight in the first of a four-game series at San Diego after pitching the last two days, and you know, it'll be, you know he's pitched four of the last five days, uh, which I'm sure Tori Lavella would have preferred to avoid, but they couldn't afford to blow that game yesterday after you know, the first you know, first game of that series when they blew it on Monday night. So we'll see how this goes. But uh, this was again unwatchable baseball. Uh, of the th- of all the series the Diamondbacks have played this season, and maybe even last year, this was the worst played three-game series by two teams that I can recall. 
Um, this was who lost more than who won, and that included yesterday. The Diamondbacks won, and they had four players thrown out on the bases yesterday, and three of them were just stupid, mindless plays, and that's, to me, the biggest difference. You, know, you can look at the offensive numbers and so forth, and you know, there's no question that they haven't hit as well as they did you know, really since July the 1st. They haven't done anything particularly well, but since the All-Star break, this is a team that ran the bases intelligently and you know, successfully uh, for the you know, first part of the season, at least the first, quote, half of the season. Uh, they've been incredibly stupid on the bases. That, this started in the very first game after the break in Toronto, and yesterday they had four guys thrown out, including Corbin Carroll, who just foolishly tried to steal third base, and he was the first out of the inning in the eighth inning, that he was the first out at third. That's like rule number one when you're like, you know, maybe even in Little League Baseball. You're not thrown out at third base for the first out of any inning. Uh, so that was one of the four things that happened yesterday. And it just they were fortunate that the Rockies are just a horrible team. The Diamondbacks with the win, though, inched a half game closer in that NL, well, NL wildcard race as the Phillies still have a spot 66-55, and 55, the Giants 64-57, and 57, the Cubs 62-58. and 58. On the outside looking in, it's the Reds at 63-59, and 59, the Marlins also at 63-59, and 59, and the Diamondbacks now one and a half games back as they begin a four-game series in San Diego against the Padres, and it'll be a Zach Gallen start. He's 12-5, 3.24 ERA, 165 five strikeouts going up against rich hill the best news for the diamondbacks is i don't think any of those teams you just mentioned uh, including the padres obviously i don't think any of them are playing very well uh right now or have played particularly well for the last you know couple of weeks you know philadelphia you know sort of you know, got a win yesterday finally at toronto they'd let they'd lost four in a row and actually thought that they had kind of figured things out a little bit uh, so we'll see what's going on there. But, you know, it's not like anybody in this wild card race. It's like I, sometimes I say it's more of a crawl than a race because a race kind of gives you an idea that it's something that's good. This is just, you know, who screws up the, who screws up the, uh, the least is actually going to maybe be in the wild card. And, yeah, there's going to be a team and there might be a team with like 81 wins that makes the National League wild card. Uh, one thing of note here, Zach Davies, seven runs, 11 hits on 80 pitches and in three innings of his second rehab start in AAA Reno uh, the other day. He would technically be considered eligible to return this weekend. We'll see how that all unfolds. You mentioned uh, teams. Well, the Dodgers keep on winning. They're, they're now uh, 10 wins in a row as they beat the Brewers yesterday 7-1. to one. Clayton Kershaw, five innings pitched, three hits, one run, two walks, two strikeouts, one home run on 71 pitches in his second start coming off of the injured list yeah they're just they're nursing him along and he you know he's been really good in both his starts since coming off the injured list i believe he's pitched four and five innings in those two starts and you know i was watching a little bit of that game last night and at the end of the fifth inning i believe it was you know he pitched five innings right so at the end of the fifth inning Dave Roberts kind of, you know, in the dugout, put, kind of put his arm around him and kind of explained what was going on. Kershaw was good with that. And, you know, as I mentioned previously, uh, you know, more than once, you know, the good news, this is like the first time that I can recall that, you know, the fact that he had a shoulder problem 
uh, shoulder and pitchers are something that I usually don't consider to be a positive. But you know, considering his longtime history now of back issues, that was not why he was on the injured list this season. Uh, several seasons in a row it's been you know he spent some time in the il because of that so it's not the back thing this was a shoulder thing and he's certainly thrown the ball really well in these first two starts back so i don't think there's a shoulder problem anymore and obviously if there was any clue that uh, there might be a problem they're so far ahead now they might catch the braves actually they're playing so well uh they've lost one game in the month of august but they're so they they can do what they want with Kershaw because they're in a comfortable position. Obviously, what, 10 games ahead in the division and you know only three or four games in the loss column behind the Braves, who never lose either. So these two teams, uh, I mentioned, I asked in the pipeline today, who's the third best team in the National League? Because I don't think there's much of an argument who's one and two. Uh, the game, uh, or I should say the series with the Brewers continues. Corbin Burns, 9-6, and 3.60 yeah. ERA, 146 strikeouts. And Lance Lynn, 9-9, 5.88 ERA, 166 strikeouts this afternoon. Lynn's been tremendous since he became a Dodger, though. He hasn't lost a start for them so far. Burns, not the Cy Young Award winner of a couple of years ago, but uh, he has... Uh, a couple of games here and there where you kind of go, what's happening there? But uh, much more of a challenge for the Dodgers tonight going against Burns than what we've seen the last couple of nights against Wade Miley. And then uh, was uh, Hauser, I believe, pitched the first game of this series. But you know, Burns clearly a step up. You know, they don't they don't get the, the Dodgers don't have to face Woodward and they don't have to face uh, they don't have to face uh, you know um, yeah I've got completely blank the uh, Peralta. They don't face either of those guys in this series, but they do get burns tonight. Uh, one other thing of note across Major League Baseball from yesterday, the Astros picked up a 12-5 win over, Marl- over the Marlins and Justin Verlander start five innings, nine hits, five runs, two walks, two strikeouts. Also, Jose Altuve, he uh, was batting leadoff yesterday as well. Yeah, and he was supposed to be headed for the injured list. He went from the injured list to batting leadoff. This was another really – this game was – Almost as bad as watching the Diamondbacks and the Rockies play. Uh, these are supposedly two you know, playoff caliber teams, and this game was kind of a joke from the start. Uh, you know, Five runs in the top of the first inning for the Astros, and then Verlander, you wonder if he was going to make it through five innings to even qualify for the win. And there was some bad defense in this game too, and that's surprising because these two teams are not bad defensively usually. It was a, an epidemic of bad baseball. Uh, in the last few days here, there, there's been some really, I don't know if it's the dog days of August, maybe that's it, but there's been some low-level baseball, whether it's uh, the Diamondbacks-Rockies series, but this game yesterday, uh, Astros and Marlins, was not exactly, uh, if you were going to teach a kid how to play baseball, don't want them watch this game. We'll step aside here, make room for Scott Petrack with brownzone.com, talking all things Cleveland Browns in this AFC North division continues. This is all happening here next on Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports.
Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Continuing our AFC North conversation, getting the scoop on the Cleveland Browns. We're joined on the KDOS hotline by Scott Petrack with BrownsZone.com. Scott, it's Bob and Kayla with you today. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Uh, So let's start here, of course, with the quarterback position, Deshaun Watson. It seems like a rather simplistic statement that the team uh, goes as the quarterback goes. But for the Browns, another year of Watson uh, performing like he did last year versus returning to form he showed in a Texans uniform could have a dramatic difference in wins and losses this year for the team. So is that how it is viewed in Cleveland? And, And what has Watson been demonstrating on the field so far? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think the rest of the roster is primed to make a playoff run, and it all depends on if Watson plays somewhat like he did when he went to those three straight Pro Bowls with the Texans. And he knows that. He said it once early in training camp, and he said it again after their preseason game on Friday against the Commanders, that this team will go how he goes. And it's been a little up and down in training camp. There was a lot of excitement at the end of the offseason program. He had a real good practice. I don't know if it was the OTAs or minicamp, and coordinator Alex Van Pelt said he made a throw that made his the hair stand up on his arms. Like, everybody <laughs> felt good about it. And then training camp started, and he was pretty good. And the defense went on a run where um, had a bunch of good practices, and Watson and the offense struggled. So it's just been inconsistent. Um, you know, the only possession he played in the preseason, they got inside the one before they got stuffed with a couple of runs. So there's been good and bad, um, and – we still don't know exactly how he's going to play once we get to the real season. They certainly added some receivers. Uh, you know, they, they traded for Elijah Moore. They signed Marquise Goodwin, who used to kill the Cardinals back in his days with the Niners. Uh, they drafted Cedric Tillman. Uh, they still have Amari Cooper, David Njoku. So how's that distribution work? There's a lot of dudes there. Yeah, there are. Um, Goodwin is out right now. He's got blood clots. So they don't know if he's going to be able to come back or if he is, when he's going to be able to come back. But you got Amari Cooper, who was the number one target by far last year. Uh, and then Elijah Moore, who they expect big things from. And they're using him in a variety of ways, lining him up in the backfield, in the slot, outside. They're running options with him. So I think it's going to go that way. I think it's going to go Cooper and then Moore. And then Njoku would be the third target. And you still have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who had a good year last year and has really progressed after being a six-round pick out of Michigan. And then you can't forget Nick Chubb, right? At some point, you're going to hand it off to probably the best player on your team. So they have options on offense, and they're good options. It's just a matter of Watson being able to distribute the ball and make the right decisions. I want to stick there with Nick Chubb for a second. Statistically, last season was unreal for him. 302 carries, 1,525 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Uh, But he is more than just some nice stats, right? And there is this sense maybe from him and and the team that he's being overlooked as one of the more complete backs in this league. Well, I I think inside the team they know how good he is. I mean, he's really – I'm not kidding around when I say he's the best player on the team. I feel that way. Um, he might not be the most talented. You know, Miles Garrett might be the most talented, but Chubb, he's such a hard worker. 
you if you poll the coaches and the players, I think he would win the vote of favorite teammate um, on the team. So, you know, I saw he was in a podcast the other day, and he said, yeah, I believe I'm the best back in the league. He usually doesn't say stuff like that. Um, he's pretty quiet. So I do think he feels maybe a little overlooked um, outside Cleveland and outside the team. Around here, it's, hey, how come he doesn't get the ball enough? And, you know, he averages, whatever, 18 carries a game, and people still want more and more from him. So, you know, they might run it less times this year just because they're trying to build the offense around Deshaun Watson. But you could see Chubb get a bunch of carries in the fourth quarter if they're winning, and I think you could see him catch the ball more than he has in the past, especially because they did not bring back Kareem Hunt. Okay, I'm the biggest Nick Chubb fan, like you know, west of Cleveland. So uh, you know, I've been talking. About, I think he's. I think you make the case that he's actually the best quote running back in the NFL. What I wonder about though is the offensive line it has a good reputation. They're an experienced group, but have they lived up to that reputation? And and also, what's the health of Jack Conklin, who's had some injury history? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, I think a couple of years ago, when they went to the playoffs in 2020, I think that was kind of the peak. Wyatt Teller burst on the scene at right guard, was a pro bowler. Um, Joe Batonio, left guard, is outstanding. He might be the best guard in the league. Um, you know, it's a couple-time pro, bowl, pro bowler. Ethan Postick's fine at center. So, to me, it, co- it comes down to the tackle. And Jedrick Wills Jr. was the number 10 overall pick in 2020. He's been inconsistent, struggles to finish plays which becomes magnified when you have a quarterback like Watson who extends plays and runs around. Wills is going to have to block, and he's going to have to block for a long time, and he's going to have to be committed to that, and they're still working through that. He's, a talented, he's plenty talented. Um, it's more of a kind of an effort thing. Is he giving enough effort all the time? Then Conklin has had the injuries. I think he wanted to play in 14 games last year, so that's pretty good. They gave him an extension, mm-hmm. which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, he's been fine this camp. He's actually in concussion protocol right now. Um, but, you know, from a knee, elbow, all those other things that he's had issues with, he's held up. So it's just a matter of those two tackles play well because the interior is really strong. Scott Petrak, brownzone.com right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. Is Kevin Stefanski on the hot seat a bit here? He's known for being, you know, the offensive mind here. Is he kind of hitched to how well Deshaun Watson does and whether or not this team can can make a push in for the, a wild card spot or even for the division? I think that's fair to say. He's in the fourth year, missed the playoffs the last two years after such a great start for him, right, his rookie seasons when they ended that playoff drought. Then he misses the playoffs two years in a row. They're so committed to Watson. Financially, right, $230 million guaranteed. They traded five draft picks, including three first-rounders. That it's on Stefanski as an offensive coach. He's in those quarterback meetings to get the most out of Watson. And he's revamped the offense to do that. They're going to do more shotgun, more pistol, more zone read, more RPOs to, to do what Watson does well. And if they're not able to make it work, if Watson doesn't get back to his Pro Bowl self, if this offense is a disappointment despite everything we talked about, the line and the weapons, then, yeah, I think that's going to fall on Kevin Stefanski. Okay, not enough of this offense stuff. Uh, the new coordinator, Jim Schwartz, is you know is the biggest change. You know, Joe Woods out as the defense coordinator and Schwartz is in, and how has that changed the defensive philosophy? Yeah, I think that is the biggest change. And they've made a bunch of changes on that side of the ball. They've focused a lot of attention and resources on the D-line. And a lot of that's because that's 
towards his specialty, and that's how he builds his system. So they're going to be really aggressive. He likes the corners, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom II, and Martin Emerson Jr., so they're going to play a bunch of man, and they might go some 5-D line fronts because they think they can pressure, um, you know, and even to bring some linebackers, bring some nickel, go three safety because they trust the back end. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a completely different attack, a different look from Schwartz. And then they went and surrounded Miles Garrett with some talent. They traded for Zedarius Smith. They signed Obo Okoronkwo, who came on at the end of last year against Houston. They get Dalvin Tomlinson uh, at D-tackle. They just signed Shelby Harris last week to play in the interior. So a bunch of new faces, all to try to take some of that attention away from Garrett because he was the most double-teamed edge rusher in the league last year. Scott Petrak, brownzone.com here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. In the secondary here, how is the health of Greg Newsom the second? And now that he's in his third year, what are the expectations for him in the secondary? Yeah, he came back this week after missing, I was just under two weeks with a groin injury. Um, you know, he's been solid through his two years, missed some time with injuries. He had like a couple fluky concussions, one on the last play of practice. Um, he's played well when he's been out there, and but he hasn't had inter- any interceptions. He doesn't have any turnovers. Like That's been the big knock on him, and he didn't have a lot coming out of Northwestern, so it's continued. He needs to make more plays. Um, he had a little bit of issue in the offseason. He thought he played the slot too much last year, and Joe Woods kind of used him as a linebacker, and Newsom didn't appreciate that. You know, He'd rather be outside, kind of be out of the fray. So you know, he's going to be inside some, but it's not going to be exclusively him um, under Jim Schwartz. So I think they're expecting him to make a leap because he hasn't quite performed to that. You know, I think he was a number 26 pick in the draft two years ago. Okay, so Miles Garrett, you mentioned him. Uh, what are the expectations for him in the Schwartz defense? And, and what other defenders do you think uh, need to be difference makers for them this season? Yeah, I mean, it starts with Defensive Player of the Year for Miles Garrett because he has that kind of talent, right? Number overall, pick, number one overall pick, crazy bend, the ability to get around the edge, super strong. Like he can do everything. So he's had 16 sacks the last two years, which set a franchise record. And people around here still think there's more from him, and there is, right? So um, the sky's the limit. I think having Darius Smith on the other side will really help. And then when they go to their nickel package Smith's going to rush from the inside Okoronko on the outside so they feel like that can help free up Garrett um so you know besides those guys I think they need Denzel Ward to play like the pro bowler he was as a rookie fourth overall pick the year they took Baker Mayfield and he's had good moments he struggled early last year and then I thought came on toward the end of the season um but they just need him to play like the top five cornerback he should be Scott Petrak, brownzone.com right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra points. So we're having this conversation about the the roster and the talent level here. So now it's about putting it all together. But they play in this AFC North division. So with the Bengals and what they've been doing, with the Ravens, their expectations, the Steelers, how Mike Tomlin never has a losing record. Uh, what is realistic here for this, for this Browns team? I think I really do think it's realistic for them to compete for the division title. Watts now, again, it's going to get back to what we began the conversation with. Watson needs to play at a level like Joe Burrow, like Lamar Jackson, right? Like all the other big-time quarterbacks in the AFC. If he does that, 
I feel like the rest of the team is talented enough. I think the coaching's good enough that there's no reason they can't be in that discussion with the Bengals, who've been so good the last couple years, and with the Ravens, who are always good when Lamar Jackson's healthy. But it comes back to Watson. But I, I think that's realistic. I think those are the expectations of the organization. Now, you could go 10-7 and seven and miss the playoffs, and that, I think, would still be a success, and everybody gets to keep their jobs. But I don't know if you can do much worse than that without there being pretty significant changes. Okay, one other quick thing for me. Uh, if they're going to make the playoffs, you know, the special teams are going to have to be better. Or are their special teams going to be better? Well, they made a change there, too, right? We talked about Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz. Yeah. They went from Mike Prefer to Bubba Ventrone. They think that's going to help. Um, but there's still questions there. Cade York, they drafted him in the fourth round in 2022. He missed eight field goals and two extra points last year and has missed a field goal in each of the two preseason games. That's not going to cut it, right? So I think there's still, there's certainly concerns about him. And then they, they're still sorting through returner. They signed Jakeem Grant Sr. before 2022 as a free agent coming off a Pro Bowl season. There's an Achilles, and he was going to be their guy. He was going to change the return game. Well, he's coming back from that, but, you know, he's 30. Is he going to be able to be the same guy? So I think there's still questions there. I think Bubble will improve it, but they need York, and then they need to figure out that return game. Scott, as always, we greatly appreciate you taking some time on the program, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you as the season rolls along. Thank you. Thanks. Once again, he is Scott Petrak there. You can follow his work over at brownzone.com. Uh, interesting, fascinating. I've been talking about it now for weeks, just how I think intriguing this AFC North division is and certainly getting some insights and just kind of how Cleveland and Scott Petrak views this roster. Uh, interesting to see how it's all going to unfold because on the other side, we'll dive into the schedule for the Browns as well. We'll also take your phone calls, 602-260-1060. We'll get into some more uh, NFL topics as well. But 602-260-1060, if you'd like to join the conversation, it is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Right now, download that KDOS 1060 app, register and follow along with the listener rewards as you have a chance to become eligible for a $100 gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports. Your phone calls next, 602-260-1060, Brown's schedule dissection as well. It's the Extra Point. Have you downloaded the KDOS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Thanks to Scott Petrak from brownzone.com for his conversation regarding the Cleveland Browns. We'll continue that Browns conversation here as we dive into this schedule. And not only is it uh, you know playing in the AFC North, this is certainly a challenging schedule ahead for 
for the Cleveland Browns. The first four weeks here for them, they are at home versus the Bengals. Then they're on the road at the Steelers. Then they're home against the Titans and then facing the Ravens with a week five bye to get things started. I can make a, I can make a case that the Browns have the toughest schedule in the league. Not just who they play, but the construction. I think they have three really really difficult stretches. I'm going to expand a little more what you started there with. I'm like, I think the first six weeks are really rough. Uh, they play Cincinnati at home, at Pittsburgh, Tennessee at home, then Baltimore. So they play division games. They play their three division opponents in three of their first four games. If that doesn't go well, they could be done. Uh, they, they have a bye week, and then they go to San Francisco. So that's the first six weeks of the season. They also have a stretch between October 22nd and December the 10th where they play two home games. Uh, they play at Indianapolis, at Seattle, Arizona at home, at Baltimore, Pittsburgh, at Denver, and at the Rams. Uh, so that's not good either. And then they absolutely – they have, the last two games are very difficult, you would think. The Thursday night game, home, uh, the home thing's a good thing against the Jets, but then they end the season uh, at Cincinnati. Now, that's a long week because they play the Thursday night before, but those are three really difficult schedule stretches. So if you go by the, the kind of the average season win totals, they have like the second or third toughest schedule in the, in the league, no matter what the construction of the schedule is. And then the way that it actually just goes as far as the construction, they've got to be really good. There's not much margin for error here. Yeah, just kind of looking at it from last year, teams that were below 500, um, I think you have what? The Colts, you have the Cardinals, you have the Rams, you have the Bears and the Texans as teams, well, I guess technically – the Jets finished that way as well, but they have a really darn good defense. That would be correct. They have no offensive line, as we found out again yesterday, which I've been preaching for months. But uh, if Aaron Rodgers were actually allowed to be hit, he would have probably been out for the season if we go by what happened in that practice yesterday against the Bucks. Uh, when it comes to some player props here, Deshaun Watson over under 3,625 and a half yards minus 112. Nick Chubb over 1,200 and a half yards minus 112. And then Amari Cooper sitting at over under uh, 925 and a half yards. And David Njoku over under 525 and a half yards at the tight end position. This might be the first one of these. Yeah, I'm not get. I don't get too much into these season-long prop bet things, uh, but yeah, you know, there's no Kareem Hunt anymore, uh, and uh, yeah, I know they're gonna you know throw more. They've got all these receivers, but it, at some point, you know, here's the breaking news: and you know, they're playing on Lake Erie. Uh, that's you know you can walk, look outside the stadium and see Lake Erie. There's been some brutal weather games there forever. Uh, there's been especially some brutal weather games over the last two or three years. I think that Chubb's over on the rushing yards is uh, you know, not a bad not a bad prop bet to go over in the total on that because I just think that uh, as much as they want to throw it by the end of the season when it gets really bad weather-wise, and actually it's windy there probably today for all we know. If you watch the uh, if you watch the Indians play baseball, they're literally like a mile away from the football stadium. And uh, the Indians seem to have the most wacky wind uh, and, uh, you know, really, I think, other than Wrigley Field, 
uh, the most wacky wind uh, in baseball this year, and I don't think that's going to change. So I think that Chubb, over the rushing total, I just think that he's going to carry a lot, and he's the man. I mean, he lost some touches and so forth to Kareem Hunt. So I think that that's a uh, – you know, I'm obviously a big Chubb fan, but you know, I think that uh, that that seems to be a – very woke, workable thing, and I don't like betting anything over for the most part, but this one seems to make some sense to me. Well, maybe this is not a great question because you have expressed previously, you know, just how much you think about Nick Chubb and how good you think he is in this league. But when you look at this AFC North and the running backs that are part of this AFC North, you have Nick Chubb, you have J.K. Dobbins, you have Najee Harris, and uh, you have Joe Mixon. Um, This is a pretty solid, you know, running back number one group in a conference, in a division. Yeah, I'd be okay, except, you know, I think Najee Harris may not be their number one by the time the season starts or once the season gets going. And by the end of last year, we saw just as much as of Warren than we did Najee Harris. And you can make actually a really easy case. I don't know if it bears out statistically, but you can make an easy case that in the last quarter of the season last year that, you know, Harris was the second best running back on his own team. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if that changes again. Uh, So certainly we will dive more into this as we answer today's poll question around 1130, but still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Uh, Hour number one, we wrap it up on the other side of the break as we talk some PGA Tour golf. Uh, The BMW Championship had about a two-hour or so delay with some inclement weather to start the day, but things are now underway, so we'll have a, a look at what's going on at the BMW Championship, which is the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. 50 players competing, no cut once again. Top 30 in the FedEx Cup standings move on to the Tour Championship next week. We'll dive into that and a little bit more on the Ryder Cup with an update on that here on Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. Wrapping up hour number one of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. A reminder here for you, Monday, August 21st, the Diamondbacks are taking on the Texas Rangers. It's ASU night. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and a co-branded ASU Diamondbacks t-shirt. Visit dbacks.com slash ASU to secure your tickets. Now we'll have a four pack of tickets to be given away later on today. Let's get into the BMW championship, the second leg of the FedEx Cup. Uh, When it comes to 
to the top of the leaderboard here, you have Jordan Spieth, who's three under through seven. This is now a couple of weeks in a row where he's been playing some good golf again and also playing well uh, to start round number one. Now it's about kind of putting together those four rounds. I know it's just through seven holes, so there's still time for things to happen one way or another. Matt Fitzpatrick here, he's sitting at two under par through ten holes. Uh, That's in a tie for second with Nick Taylor and Max Homa. Matt Fitzpatrick essentially has to finish uh, in the top five, I believe, to advance to the Tour Championship. So he's off to a good start if he's trying to make it to the Tour Championship for himself. That was a goal for, for him to start the week. Patrick Cantlay, who is technically a back-to-back BMW champion, as we mentioned yesterday when you were trying to figure out what direction to go for your player here, it was important to make sure you were you were looking into which golf course you were seeing as to which as as to figuring out what to do because you can't look at just the BMW championship. It plays in a rotational basis and the last two golf courses that Patrick Cantlay won on were not at all what Olympia Fields is bringing to the table here. But he's playing some really solid golf and he's one under through four. That's good enough for a tie for fifth as it is right now. Rory McIlroy, he's even through three. That's in a tie for 16th. Your other top of the leaderboard guys, Scotty Scheffler has yet to tee off and John Rahm has yet to tee off as well. Our guy that we took, Victor Hovland, he is not yet ready to go. He tees off at 1227 today. So we'll continue to monitor their progress at the BMW Championship. Looking at the Ryder Cup, though, Uh, because things are really important wrapping up this week. It's the last chance to automatically qualify for the United States team this week. They did change some things from how it typically goes for Ryder Cup automatic qualifiers. It's now only six auto qualifiers already in can't can't be removed Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark and Patrick Cantlay. Currently the next 3 spots are Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka and Max Homa. Uh, Brooks cannot do anything to help himself here because he's obviously on live. So there are plenty of scenarios, though, where he could get bumped out of being an automatic qualifier, which would then put it squarely on Captain Zach Johnson whether or not he's willing to take Brooks Kepka on the roster. He was kind of asked about live guys in general because you have Bryson DeChambeau playing pretty well. Uh, Dustin Johnson has been a player that has competed on U.S. President's Cup teams and Ryder Cup teams in the past. And Zach Johnson's answer was, it's really hard because I don't see these guys very often. I see them about four times a year at the majors. And so he seems kind of noncommittal about what direction he he would potentially go if a Brooks Kepka or anyone else from Liv would be on the roster. Uh, so when it comes to whether or not Brooks remains in the top six auto qualifiers here, Xander Shoffley, he could be an automatic qualifier once again with a tie for 42nd or better. Jordan Spieth can be an auto qualifier with a three-way tie for fourth. He's currently sitting at first place right now at the BMW Championship. So 
Certainly, this is going to be fascinating to monitor. And then, of course, what happens to round out the rest of the team? We've talked about it before. You know, guys who have been stalwarts for this particular type of competition, a Justin Thomas, is he going to be a captain's pick? Is his game in a place where he can be a captain's pick? Is that even fair to some of the other guys who are playing much better golf? So it's very interesting to see what direction Zach Johnson is going to go. Uh, and hopefully, for for him, right, that some of these questions get answered just in terms of uh, how it all shakes out automatically qualifying for positions. As I mentioned, Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, and Patrick Cantlay are already in. Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, and Max Homa are your next three. The BMW Championship, though, Olympia Fields Country Club, it is a par 70, 7,366 yards. Uh, Jordan Spieth sitting atop of the leaderboard at 300 through seven Matt Fitzpatrick Nick Taylor and Max Homa at two under par as it is right now our number two of extra point is coming up on the other side of the break we'll dive into the Arizona Cardinals we'll get into that top 25 uh, of 25 and younger in the NFL as well plus tickets to that Diamondbacks game on Monday August 21st it's all happening in our number two here on KDOS AM 1060 